Um, Tonight, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to Micah chapter 6. And uh, there will be no overhead tonight or PowerPoint tonight, but we, I, I do want to look at a passage, a, a couple verses with you from Micah chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. And while you're getting there, um, it's one of those books we don't go to very often, but um, let me bring this to your attention. There are a, a couple passages in the Bible that are what I would call just nutshell passages. Uh, they just kind of sum up in a general way what we need to do to be saved, um, to go to heaven. And one of those can be found in, in Acts chapter 10. If you want to flip over, keep your place in Micah. But in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Peter says, You know, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, whoever fears him... Works righteousness is accepted by him. God will save anyone from anywhere as long as he fears him and works righteousness. And of course, fearing God is more than just being afraid. But if you, if you fear him, respect and honor, you're going to do what he asks you to do. And, uh, that person will be saved. Um, but, and there's another nutshell passage here in, in Micah chapter six that I want us to look at tonight. If we'll get these general principles down, you know, throughout scripture, you've got the Old Testament, you've got the time of the patriarchs and you had the time of those that lived under the, the uh, mosaical law. And now you have Christianity and, um, you know, they had a lot of different things to do, but really there's one scheme of redemption, one plan of salvation that has been in place from Adam until now. And it's that we're saved by grace through faith. That's how we're saved. That is in general principles the way it works. We, we respond to God's goodness through faith and, and trust in Him. Now the terms of that salvation differ from, uh, age to age and from, uh, you know, God didn't tell us to do what He told Noah and He didn't tell Noah to do what He told Abraham. But um, that's the general principle. We're saved by grace through faith. So tonight, let's look at this broad uh, nutshell of what do I have to do to be saved? And is this going to be on a test? Have you ever heard anybody say that? If you're a teacher, I guarantee you, you have heard people say that. I hear that in the school here. You know, you'll, you'll be saying it's getting close to test time and you're going over things or maybe you're giving notes and, and somebody will raise their hand and say, is this going to be on the test? And if you say no, you know what they do? Zone out. You know, they're gone. Pencil down. You know, I don't need to know this. Uh, it's not on the test. And I can remember doing that when I was in school. I liked it better when someone else did it and, and the teacher yelled at them, but I still was glad they asked because I wanted to know too. Is this going to be on a test? If it's not, I'm not going to worry about it. But if it is, then I want to know because I want to make sure that I get that right. Well, this is on the test, okay? So if you want to go to heaven, this will be on the test. Let's open our Bibles to Micah 6. Begin with me in verse 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? 
Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? What is it that the Lord wants from us? And do you think it will appease God if you bring Him things, give Him things? Do you think that God is satisfied just because we bring something to Him? Surely it's deeper than that, right? You don't love people just because they give you stuff, do you? And, and you know, if we might say, well, I kind of like the stuff they give me, it's really not the kind of love that should exist in that relationship. And, and the people at this time were really good at bringing things to God, but they didn't bring their hearts. And the first thing that I realized is that if you're going to be pleasing to God, you have to do more than just give um, external things. Uh, he wants more than your, your weekly contribution. Um, th- th- that's part of it, but that's, he can do without that. Um, he wants more than uh, bringing, you know, the, the, one of your animals to, to have as a sacrifice. He wants more than that. What God wants is your heart. He wants your spirit. When we worship God, Jesus said in John chapter 4 and verse 24, we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. Our heart has to be in it. Do you remember the sacrifice of Cain and Abel? We were talking about this this morning in the high school class. The sacrifice of Cain and Abel. One was accepted, the other was not. And I know that sometimes we say, well, you know, here's why. Because Cain offered uh, a sacrifice of the fruit of the ground and Abel offered a blood sacrifice and that God liked the blood better than the, the fruits and the vegetables and so um, that that's why. Well, there's one issue I have with that. It's just not in the Bible. That's not what the Bible says. You want to know why Cain's sacrifice was rejected and Abel's was accepted? Go to Hebrews chapter 11 and it says, By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. His was by faith. Now, somebody might say, well, by faith may mean that he did what God told him to do. How do you know what that was? We don't give, we, we aren't given the details. Maybe it had to do with the kind of sacrifice. Maybe it had to do with the size of the altar. We're, we're not given the details. But I think that that expression has more the idea of he, he engaged his heart. His inner man. He, he did it by faith. He did it trusting in God. It wasn't just a ritual to him. Whereas to Cain it was. And that message is still just as much alive and needed to be understood today as it ever was. You know, in Isaiah chapter 1, you want to read one of the most scathing rebukes of God's people. Go to Isaiah chapter 1. You can go to Amos chapter 5. And you can also go to Matthew chapter 23. All of those passages, I mean, God just rips his people. And you know why? Because they were doing what he told them to do. Wait, what? Yeah, they were doing what he told them to do. Without their heart engaged 
He said, I'm sick of these sacrifices. I hate it when you, when you offer sacrifices. I hate it when you observe these feast days. Well, he's the one who told them to do it. Yeah, but he wants their heart engaged. Matthew 23, you have those Pharisees that were tithing all these little seeds. Every tenth goes to God. They were tithing, and yet they had missed important things. So this is going to be on the test. Engage your heart. Serve God with your heart, not out of rote repetition, mindless routine. You have to do it for the right reasons. Here's the second thing that I see from this passage. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Listen, when you couple the right spirit with those three things, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God, you're going to please the Lord. You're going to be saved. You'll be all right. You're going to go to heaven. Well, let's look at each one of those just uh, quickly, not too much time, but Micah chapter 6 and verse 8, to do justly. Justice... What's that mean? Well, justice is fairness. We have to be a people that are fair. And you know, there is in our society today, and even among a lot of folks in the church today, there, there are some who have kind of risen up and they've, they've kind of thrown off traditional religion, as they would call it. They're tired of seeing institutional church that exists and goes on and functions and, and ignores the plight of people. And they say, what, what is this? How is this Christianity? How can we know that this person out here needs clothes and needs food and his children don't have enough to go to school and, and to be well fed and, and we're sitting in our nice buildings and paying no mind to them? The Bible says, if you want to be right with God, you have to do justice. We have to be fair with people. We, we have to treat all people the same way. Do you show partiality toward people that look like you and dress like you and smell like you more than you do those that dress differently and look differently and smell a little differently? Treat people fairly. That's what God wants us to do. Um, Romans chapter 12 and verse 17 says that we're to provide all things honest in the sight of all men. That's that fairness that we need to be looking for. And, And ask yourself, how do you treat the poor? Do you run from them? How do you treat your friends? Do you run to them? What about the sick? How do you reach out to them? What if somebody comes in and they're new and they're, they're well-to-do and, and how do we respond to them as newcomers to our church family? And how do you respond to somebody who comes in and it's obvious they're not in that kind of socioeconomic situation? Is it different? God said, listen, I want you to practice justice, to be fair, because God is fair. The second thing he says is, I want you to love mercy. Now, 
He didn't say, I want you to be merciful. He said, I want you to love it. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to, to just thrive on that. Sometimes you have to be merciful and you may not enjoy it. You have to be kind to people, but you have to do it. And, and that's not the God we serve. In fact, in Micah chapter 7 and verse 20, uh, or excuse me, in Micah chapter 7, there's a passage where he says, I delight in mercy. That, that's who I am. Man, I, I love it to be able to be merciful to people. It's my delight. What's your delight in life? Do you find more delight in picking at another person, uh, you know, finding a mistake that they make? Is that where your delight is? Uh, you know, oh, I love it. I got to, to do this or that or correct this person or that person or I found a fault in this person living out here and my next door neighbor did this. Boy, they, they just walked right into it and I was able to, to tell them. Is that your delight or is your delight justice and mercy. Do do you delight in mercy? Matthew chapter 23, again, Jesus said, man, you guys have majored in all the wrong things. They're not things that you need to ignore, but they're not things like justice and mercy. And so we, we need to keep that ever before us. How different would our church be if we all said, you know, this week, I'm really going to work at being merciful to people that I work with, that I go to school with, my next door neighbor. I'm going to, I'm going to go out of the way. I, I'm going to be merciful to my mom and to my dad. And I'm going to be merciful to my children. What a difference that would make in our attitudes. God says, man, I love that. You want to please me? Be fair with people and love mercy. Find ways to do it and to be merciful. There are things that we can do and and plan to do just because we want to show kindness. Uh, Just the other day, well, actually yesterday, I, I was in western Kentucky and I was speaking on a workshop there and one of the parts of the workshop was that I was to bring an idea as to, you know, things that uh, other congregations might be able to do. And, and I shared our devotional book, by the way. Um, there were a bunch of folks that wanted... Your, your devos are read all over the country. I, I hope you know that. Um, I, I sold... Um, 25, I think, of them yesterday, and I have a sheet of paper where they want more, so we'll, we'll get more to them, but uh, well, I gave them that, but I said, let me just tell you a two-minute thing that we have done that just shows mercy and kindness to, to people, and we don't hold gospel meetings like this here, but where we have been before, we, we had gospel meetings, and you know what we do during gospel meetings? We had preachers come in from other places and, oh, you brag on them all week and, and you tell them how good he is and, and you put him up in a hotel and you feed him till he can't hardly preach 30 minutes and, and just all this love and kindness and, and we ship him home and he goes back home to his wife who's, you know, been wrestling with three kids all by herself all week long and nothing is said or done for Mrs. Preacher. Um, 
I said, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's take up just $2 a piece. And let's use $2 a piece. And, you know, we had, you know, 250 or so family units, and, and some didn't want to participate, but others said, well, I don't have $2, but I'll throw a five in. It's just $5. Each time we did it, we had well over $500 collected. And we gave that money to some ladies in the congregation. Guys would not have been good at this. And we said, ladies, go out and buy girl stuff. You know, I, I don't know what that is, but you do. Go out and buy girl stuff. $500 worth of girl stuff. And, and they would put them in, in like this big wicker basket about that big. It looked like a laundry basket or something. And just fill it up overflowing with stuff. And when we got to the end of the gospel meeting, that preacher was ready to go. And we would come up and say, listen, before you leave, we want to present this to your wife. They're so taken back. Are you kidding me? My wife. No one's ever done this before. Do you know how to do good PR for yourself? People will be talking about you in glowing terms wherever those folks go from then on. You know what they did for my wife? It's just an act of kindness. And those are the kind of things that cost us nothing. But think of how that must have impacted that preacher and his wife. Love, mercy. Find ways. Plan on finding ways to be merciful. And then walk humbly with your God. And, and folks, that's the only way you can. Because if you have pride as you try to walk with God, pretty soon you're going to part directions because he's going to ask you to do things that you don't want to do. My will has not yet come completely in line with his. And there are still things that he calls me to do that I kind of, uh, I wrestle with. Well, some days I want to do it, but some days I don't want to do it. And if I have pride, I'm going to say, no, God, I, I, not, not today. Tomorrow, maybe, but not today. He says, walk humbly with God. Amos chapter 3 and verse 3 you remember the passage, can two men walk together unless they be agreed? The answer obviously is rhetorical. Of course not. And we can't walk with God unless we humble ourselves and decide to agree with him. I know a lot of people that like to argue with God and his word. I mean, it's clear, it's plain, it's there, and yet we try to find loopholes, we try to find exceptions, we try to find reasons not to do it now. Walk humbly with God. That means you're going to do whatever He asks you to do. It, it, it means that you're poor in spirit, and you don't know the way, and you're going to have to rely on Him to show you. Walk with Him. If we do those three things... With the right spirits, he says, this is what the Lord requires of you. These are not specifics. They're not law specific. These are general principles that still apply to us today. You want to go to heaven? You want to know what's on the test, the final exam? It's this. Have the right spirits. And love mercy do justice, and walk humbly with God. If you'll do those things, you'll never fall.
And I hope that you'll make the decision to do just that this week. And maybe someone's here tonight and you haven't yet decided to humble yourself and say, you know what, I, I turn my life over to you. I, I, I'm done trying to do it my way. I, I'm to the point where I'm willing to make you Lord of my life and I'm going to grab your hand and follow wherever you lead. Well, here's the first place he wants to lead you into the waters of baptism, where you die to the old self, the old man, and you rise up to walk in newness of life, and you take his hand and follow him through that. You reenact what he went through literally. He died and was buried and rose again, and we reenact that event in our baptism. If you haven't done that tonight, why don't you make that decision? Walk humbly with the Lord. And if you are a child of God already, but maybe you haven't, well, maybe you haven't been living a just life. Maybe you haven't thrived and loved mercy, thrived on and loved mercy. Well, then make it right. Make it your renewed goal today. Today, I'm going to be a more merciful, loving person who is seeking justice. We'll pray with you to that end if you'll come as we stand together and sing.